All right, good to see you tonight. I'm so thankful for everyone here in our church. You're amazing people, and I am so thankful for a great year. I will try to give you an all an update soon. Uh, you can be seated. I will try to give you all an update on the year that we've had. I want everyone to realize what all we've accomplished this year at Austin First Church. And, um, you know, churches, churches have to go through seasons of growth, seasons of getting a foundation. And I feel like this has been an incredible year to build a core foundation that we can build next year on. And I don't think probably most people realize what all we're accomplishing for the kingdom at Austin First Church. I think people think we're just a normal church like every other church down the road, maybe you like the singing or the preaching, but if, if, if I know because I'm connected, but the things we're doing here at AFC are rare. The, the amount of time we're spending in our community, uh, we're seeing people always baptized throughout the year, receiving the Holy Ghost throughout the year. Uh, we're seeing so many things. Starting a church school, I'll give you updates soon. Uh, we're spending money in the right places, and I, I'll let you know, but I just, I'm thankful, and I want to end the year out strong. And I want us to keep also praying for, for Brother Stevens because his health has been going through a lot. We love Bishop Stevens and Sister Stevens, but keep praying for him because I, I've been asking him, you know, whenever you feel like preaching, I want you to preach. So I just want to make a disclaimer right now. It's not my fault. He, I want him to preach more. And so just so we're all on the same page, I, I want him to minister and be a part of the ministry. And I'm not holding him back. And so just pray for strength and health because we want him involved as much as possible, because we love and appreciate him and his, his senior position there, his wisdom and his dedication to God, and we just want you to help pray for him, because he needs the church family, and I believe God's going to touch him and strengthen him and take care of him. Uh, God is so good. I'm looking forward to a great end of the year and a great beginning of next year. There's some big things that are going to be happening next year in the beginning of the year and I'll be talking more about them, but we're going to be rolling out some new things that I feel confident that we need to do as a church that are going to be foundational for the future of our church. There's going to be some uh, positions and some authority given more to more people so that people can do more in the kingdom. I'll be giving that authority. We'll be praying over them. Uh, we've had a lot of wonderful people stepping up, learning and ministering, and I've been watching people closely for how long now? Five and a half years. And we kind of figuring out who's really serious and who's not. It takes time. Hopefully you're figuring out if I'm serious or not after five and a half years. But we're, we're really seeing who's really going to be a part of the team here. Who's going to be willing to take hits for the team and who's not. And there are people that are standing out from the crowd that we're going to give them authority in the name of Jesus. And they're going to be leaders. They're going to be influencers, ministers. And because of this, I feel like God is going to amplify the revival very quickly at our church and it's, it's due season, it's due time, and I feel good about it, and I'm excited about it. Uh, tonight, my topic is how to trust church again. How to trust church again. It's sad to me how many professing Christians and Christian leaders have been caught red-handed, not living the Christian life. We are easy to catch do you know why we are so easy to catch at messing up? Because we proclaim that we live by the Bible. And guess who has access to the Bible? There's no other organization in the world that lays out the rules they live by and then lets you measure us by it, except for the church. If you began to read all the laws that our politicians are supposed to go by, our police are supposed to go by, you would never get to finish it. It's even more confusing than the Bible. But we have a Bible that is accessible, taught all over the world, and this book tells you how we are supposed to live. Where do we hide? I, I, I know for a long time, church family, you've been told, if you've been in church a long time, that you are not supposed to ever, ever critique the man of God. But you know what can always critique the man of God? The Word of God. Right? This is the reason why some of you would know I was in false doctrine or not and hopefully quit this church. Right? I hope you would because there's a lot of churches in our area, they didn't quit. They stayed there with that man of God as that man of God went into false doctrine. That's a real thing in, in Austin. 
There's several men here that they used to believe just like this church. But that man changed what he thought was truth. And he even got in his own pulpit and said, it's no longer truth. You know what the people did? They followed that man. Because we have put men over the word of God. And there is no man, there is no woman, no leader, no pastor, no prophet, no saint. Point to yourself tonight that is over the word of God. Nobody is. We are all going to be judged by this word, every one of us. Why not start now? Now, you can't judge me, but this can. And we don't believe in judging each other. But we do believe in teaching and standing on the Word of God. We believe that this is the authority of God, and you've got every right to use it. You've got every right to claim it, to, to preach it, to teach it, and to hold Christians accountable to it. Now, if they're not a Christian, it doesn't matter. Don't ever use the Word of God against someone who's not serving the Lord. Because unless they're serving the Lord, you can't use this holy book on unholy people. If they don't want to serve the Lord, then you're wasting your time using this book. But anybody who says, I'm in the church, they're asking for it. You're asking for it. Don't dare come in church, say you're a member of the church, get all in the church, and then not let us use the word. I'm not going to do that. You have every right to ask me a question about the Bible. You have every right to stop me after service and say, you said this, I don't believe that's in the Bible, Pastor. What do, you, what do you mean? Can you explain this more? Is that rebellion? No. That's a hunger and a thirst to know the Word of God. Because men are flawed, because we are not perfect, we have to always go back to the Word of God, and we've got to realign ourselves. And the, one of the worst mistakes men of God have ever made, any preacher, and if you want to be a preacher in our church, hear me close today. One of the worst mistakes we've ever made is thinking that we're above the Word of God, that we can create our own interpretations to fit our agenda, and that is not the truth. That is not the will of God. We are all accountable to the Word of God. Because there's a lack of knowing God's Word, there's a lack of trusting who is of God who can be trusted? I had a woman who had a very broken life come to our church for a while, and we were spending a lot of time with this woman, trying to help her as much as we can. And it was very difficult to help this, this lady. And we gave her love, and we gave her guidance, and we gave her the truth, but there was a lot of deception that she believed. And uh, one day in counseling, trying to take time to help people, this is part of ministry. You help people. They don't receive it, but you still help them and help them. You help them because that's what we do. We try to help people. She very angrily said to me that she was upset. She was upset because I told her uh, boyfriend that women are the weaker vessel. Kind of like some of you ladies are upset right now. That's how she was, except much more vocal and emotional, and passionate. And I expressed to uh, that gentleman that uh, women need more care and more support from us because they are a weaker vessel. The context was you need to put up with a little bit because sometimes they're struggling in different ways than us men, and we've got to be strength for them when they're struggling. But, of course, whenever you talk and there's gossip and back and forth and telephone, you only get the part that fits you. And you only remember the part that you want to. And the part that came back to me very angrily and upset is that I said something that was biblical to someone I thought who was a Christian. I actually replied back to this lady, and I said, it's in the Bible. And you should have seen the look on her face when she realized she was having a discussion with a pastor who knew the Word of God. The intimidation that you often find in dealing with men of God, women of God, is that they know more of the Word than you do. And why would you be afraid of someone who's bound by the Word of God? The reason why there's fear of ministry that's not healthy is because the ministry spends the time in the Word and the saints don't. It has become a one-sided weapon 
that ministry can use against the people of God because the people of God don't study it like the preachers do. That should have never happened. But do you know why that happened? It happened because another Christian doesn't study or pray, and yet they want to tell spiritual leadership they know what's best for them. She claimed to be a Christian who didn't even know God's word. And her face turned into a ghost because she realized she was arguing against God. Because if I work in the spirit and I work in the word, it's not me fighting you. It's God that's fighting you. And who can fight against God? As followers of Christ, we are judged harshly by those who don't have the spirit of God or know the word of God. They should have no voice or influence in our lives as Christians. Ignorance cannot be argued with. You just have to let them talk. Just have to let them talk and prove them wrong over time. You see, I care about what godly people think about me. If they are around me enough to even know about me, I care. It's funny how when you're in ministry, you hear someone preach, you go, that must be a man of God. But how many stories have we heard when we are around men of God, outside of pulpits, that we heard other stories? So if you're going to have influence in my life, you need to really know who I am first, not just know if I preach good. And you have to be godly enough to be able to see truth. So do not let people who are ignorant on the things of God make you feel bad for not being a proper Christian because they don't know and they have no power over you. Never give anyone power over you who does not know how to pray. Never give anyone power over you who can't fast. Hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. I don't care if you go to church. If you can't fast, you don't need to open up your mouth in authority against the church. You are not spiritual, and I'm not listening to you. Pastor, I want to matter in the kingdom. I come here. Oh, it takes a whole lot more for your voice to matter. You don't get to buy a place with your money. You, we don't work like the world. You can't scare us with your funding. You've got to be spiritual. You've got to be a man of God or a woman of God. You've got to know the Word of God. We're not going to listen to you. Your voice means nothing if you're not walking with the Lord. Don't you lose one ounce of sleep over somebody who talks trash about you and they're not spiritual. Just go to bed. But on the, on the other hand, somebody walks with God and they've given you a warning, a word, you need to pray. You need to seek God. You need to go before the Lord and bow down and say, thank you, Lord, for somebody who knows you, who knows your word, who knows how to pray. Thank you, God, for the messenger you sent. I want to hear from you through them, God. I want to be sensitive to what you're doing, Jesus. Some people, I care greatly what they think about me. Other people, I don't even think twice. You have to earn in the kingdom of God. You don't have to earn the right to open your mouth. You've got to earn the right to have credibility. Yeah, we believe in free speech. But we don't believe in listening to everything. Say whatever you want in this church. Say we're good, we're bad, this or that. Say what you want. But you don't have a voice if we barely see you around church. I'm just letting you know the truth right now. I don't want you being hurt one day when you try to do something in the kingdom and no one listens to you. I don't want to hurt anybody. See, sometimes we think, well, we'll dress the part. We'll show up to church. We ought to have a voice in the kingdom. You don't get the voice by dressing the part and showing up to church. You get the voice by your prayer life and your knowledge of the Word of God and your submission and your loyalty to God and His kingdom. That's when God begins to elevate your voice. You become somebody in the kingdom. And I got good news for you. Every one of you can do it. Everyone can do it. Everyone has a Bible, right? Everyone, everyone can pray, right? Everyone can fast. We know that's right. Yep. So let's study tonight together. Wake yourself up. Ephesians 6 and 10. 
Let's look and see why we need to know God's Word to build trust again in the church. Ephesians 6 and 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having having girded your waist with truth. Everybody say truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, somebody say being righteous. This is how we make sure we stay in the fight and we stand, y'all. You've got to have the truth and you've got to be righteous. Verse 15, having shod, protected your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, you've got to have that shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why above all take the shield of faith? Because when your truth is messed up, you can still use your shield. Because when your righteousness isn't perfect all the time, you can still use your shield. Don't matter what you're going through, don't lose your faith. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, I prayed for you that you would keep your truth. That's not what he said. I prayed for you, you keep your righteousness. That's not what he said. He said, I prayed for you that you keep your faith. Because when you're struggling in truth, keep your faith. When you're struggling in righteousness, keep your faith. Deflect those darts when they come at you. You know what armor's for? Armor's for people not watching. But shields are for people that are watching. There's my arrow. Boom. You have to have your faith. Yeah. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. The helmet of salvation. Get your mind, your mind right. You've got to get your thinking right. And then the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? Which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Let's keep looking at the, the context here. Verse 18. Praying always. You know, it's not good enough just to to have the Word of God. You've got to always be in prayer. How do we pray? With all prayer, that, that Greek word means a worshipful prayer, and all supplication, that Greek word means a, a request of prayer, asking God for what you need in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, having the Word of God, praying in the Spirit, having the Word of God. This is how we use this weapon. We use it in the Spirit. We use it through prayer. We use it through knowing, using the Word of God. It goes on. It says being watchful. That word there means staying awake, alert. Ever heard of a watch night service? That doesn't mean we come in here and stare at each other. That's, a, that's when you come together and you watch through the night. You, you stay expecting on the edge of your seat because God's about to do something. And so watching, staying awake, staying alert to, to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now we see the tie-in between the armor, the sword, and the saints. Because if we can't be this How do we help the saints? There's the context. That's the connection there. Okay? Now, look at the difference in 19 and 20. Look how he spins it from the saints to you to me. Look what he says in verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth. He makes it personal and private now. And he says, now that I've got the armor and I'm using the sword, let me tell you how I'm going to make this functional and applicable in my life. That utterance may be given to me. That I may be able to say the right words. How do you build trust? Your words. This is powerful, y'all. He said, when I learn the Word of God and I've armored up and I'm in the Spirit, I say, now how can I apply this to me so that I may have the right words? Nothing hurts trust. Like words. The wrong words. That utterance may be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. 
How do I know I can trust you? The gospel is a mystery. Use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How do I know I can trust you? This is all just a big muddy mess to me, Jesus, Bible. How do I know I can trust you, preacher? The preacher said, oh, God, help me have the right words. The preacher said, oh, God, let me have the right words so that I can explain the mystery to people who do not trust What's the first thing you feel when you try to teach the gospel to somebody? They think this is a mystery. They're confused by it. They're looking at you like with a, with a, with a, 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 a magnifying glass like Sherlock Holmes, and they're looking at you like, what, what church? What is this real? Can I even trust the Bible? This is a mystery. But, but if I can use the Word of God, I can create credibility for the mystery of the gospel. But I've got to learn to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Bless the, bless the children in Jesus' name. Ephesians 6 and 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that, that in I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The armor, the weaponry, is so that we can open up our mouth and people can begin to trust us when we talk. Because we're living in a day where nobody trusts anybody. No one trusts, people don't trust their own spouse. Been with for years. How do we get credibility and trust back in the church? We've got to all get closer to the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the Word of God is a living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of our soul and our spirit because you've got both and of joints, and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That means when you use the Word of God and the sword of the Spirit, you protect from deception. You protect from hearing voices in your soul and hearing voices in your heart. Which one's from God and which one's from the enemy? Which one is flesh? Which one is from God? I don't trust. How do we make sure we trust? We must use the sword, the Word of God. It is alive. It is powerful. It is sharp to the dividing, to the separating, to figuring out things that are mysterious. We have to have the Word of God. Let me keep going. The question I pose and I pose in my Bible study that I teach is how do we know the Bible is the inspired Word of God in the first place? What evidence reveals that this book is different from all the other books? Because the first thing you, you think whenever you're talking about how we got to know the Word more is you begin to doubt the Word of God, and you go, is the Word of God even real? How do I know the Word of God should be listened to? Uh, how do I know that it's valid and that I should trust the Word of God over every other person's voice? Good question. How do you know you can trust the Word of God over your own thoughts? Because that's your biggest opponent is right here and right here. Because we are the worst critics on the Word of God. You can read a scripture and justify your way out of it in five minutes. Yeah, we can do that. That's why you got to use word with spirit. Because you can twist it. But let me tell you some validity of the Word of God. You need to memorize things like this. This will help you. The Bible was written by 40 authors over 1,600 years in different countries, in different cultures, yet each book fits in harmony without a single contradiction. The Bible is written by kings, fishermen, poets, teachers, prophets, government officials, doctors, and underprivileged people in society. They had a voice because the Spirit was using them. The Bible contains the oldest and most reliable records of ancient history ever written. Time and again, its narratives have been shown to contain a remarkably accurate account of people, places, and events of bygone ages. The Bible is published in over 2,000 languages and dialects, and the number of Bibles produced has far surpassed anything ever printed and published in the history of mankind. 
It remains the world's best-selling book every year. The English court of law demands that a witness swear on an oath of the copy of the Bible because it remains the gold standard of truth. Still, today, the Word of God can be trusted. The Bible also states that it's inspired by God Himself. In 1 Corinthians 14, 37, 2 Timothy 3 and 16, the Word of God is the inspiration, the idea of God. It's not my idea, it's His idea. And if you don't think that God can use men to write His Bible, then you don't think God can use men. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't think that God can use a mortal to write pen to paper or whatever they did back there, playing with stones and engravings and parchment papers, if you don't believe that's a thing, then you can't trust the words coming out of the mouth right now. Because I'm just a man operating just like the Bible operates. You're trusting in God to work through something. I always get people that wonder why would God use humanity because it's humanity is the Bible was written for humanity. Who better to write it than, than humanity? You know why God wants to speak through humans? Because humans can relate to humans. All y'all praying about an angel to go visit your lost loved ones, going to give them a heart attack. God, I just want Gabriel to go show up today at Uncle Tony's, and I just want him to, just an angel to show up there and slap him on the face and wake him out of bed and get him changed and you think that's going to help Uncle Tony? He's going to think he was attacked by a spirit in the middle of the night. Look, if people ain't ready, they ain't ready. We learned that when they crucified Jesus. Ultimately, the Bible is a theory, and I'm okay saying that. Because to people that first read the Bible, guess what it is to them? It's a theory. Any brand new person you talk to about the Bible, what, and you, you share it with them, they go, well, I don't know about this. This might not be true. Well, let's just figure it out and see if it's true. So the Bible at first is a theory until it becomes a reality. And how do you know? How do you know the Bible is real? How do you know anything is real? The same way you learn anything is credible. You test it. You're doubting the Word of God because you stopped studying it. We're living in the day where you can hear messages. You know what messages are? You know what listening to YouTube all the time is? Do you know what reading a book about the Bible is? Okay? It's the difference in you going to H-E-B buying your groceries and you going to a restaurant letting them stuff it down your face. You don't get to get anything custom from God. When you're not willing to study the Bible by yourself, all alone, with no outside influence. And we have become so just fat with everybody else's revelation that we think that that is enough to take the place of our personal devotion to the Word of God. Help us, Jesus, to fall back in, your, in love with the Word so we can have trust again. I'm telling you right now, this is what I felt tonight for our church and somebody watching online also. I had them switch it to our groups. If you're on Facebook, share it out. I felt this so strong tonight that the Word of God is the reason why, the lack of the Word of God is the reason why there is a lack of trust. Because we no longer hold each other accountable by the Word. We used to argue about it, y'all. Maybe y'all don't remember those days. Remember those days? Somebody testify? Yeah? Be good for some of y'all anyway. Shake up and get it woke up or something. Just huh. Remember back in those days? Remember back in the day whenever you used to argue and fight about scripture? We're we're to the point now where we don't we, whatever you believe is fine. Thou shalt obey this command or thou shalt go to hell. But you can believe that however you want. There's multiple interpretations. It doesn't mean you're really going to hell. It's a symbolic place. Not a real place. We are now to the place to where we no longer hold each other accountable by the word because it's called judging. No, it's not. It's called getting ready for judgment day. Ain't nobody can put you in hell by reading a scripture to you. Ain't nobody can put you in hell because they quoted scripture to you. I just don't like the fact that you read that scripture to me and made me feel bad. 
if you don't listen, you're going to feel real bad forever. It astounds me how we're so afraid of this book that we claim is everything. I hope tonight that there can be a revival in us to know the Word of God. I hope tonight something can spark in us in this fast food society that we can learn that you've got to dig some things out without a microwave. You've got to do some things just by yourself. You've got to become a chef, and you've got to dig it out for yourself. Brother Jose, tonight while y'all were worshiping, I felt something so strong for our music team. And i got to tell you tonight, I didn't plan on telling you all this, but to all of our musicians, singers, to, to Jose, to Paige, you guys have got to know the Word of God. And maybe you are, but you guys have got to know the Word of God. More than you enjoy singing or playing an instrument, you've got to be an author. You've got to be someone who knows how to sit down and, and do the Word of God. Because your anointing doesn't come from any other way than knowing the truth. Knowing why you play the instrument. Knowing to whom why you play the instrument. Who do you sing for? You know, when I was worship leading Jose back in Dallas, I was more preacher than singer. But boy, I knew how to lead a service. You know why? Not because I could hit the right notes, but because I knew the Word. Because I knew about God's presence and God's moving. And there's no such thing as a worship leader that doesn't know the Word of God. You're, you're weak. You're weak and shallow. You've got to have a word when the Spirit begins to move. Learn when to pause the music, when the, when the time to pause the music and bring a word. But if all you know is lyrics to a song and the Scripture's trying to come forth, God, help, the, help from this moment on. Let the future of our worship team, everyone involved, be more about the Word. Than the songs they're singing. There are certain songs that we sing these days that aren't even biblical. And people who pick the songs don't know. I just felt to mention that tonight. Millions have agreed that our Bible is the truth all over the world. You have to decide for you, but I've made my mind up. I have tried and tested the King James Version Holy Bible. I have read through it. I have studied it, and you will never convince me that the words in that book are not divinely inspired by Jesus Christ. I have personally tried them, and I trust them, and I give my life to it, and I'm not worried about it because everything I've studied has blessed me. Everything I've given my life to in that book has blessed me. When people don't always give me the word I need, the Bible gives me the word I need. When people fail me, the Scripture does not fail me. There is no trust without an understanding of the Word of God. It's all about, it's always about God, and every problem we have with each other is always because something's missing with God, always. Every time, if you have struggles right now relationally with anybody, anywhere, secular or in the church, it's because of a lack of knowing your Father. 100%. Before you meet again, before you do anything else again with anybody, go to prayer and go to the Word and trust the Bible. It will give you answers for how to deal with everything that you're worried about. And everything that confuses you and everything that traps you, the Word of God can divide all of that mess apart. You have to decide, decide for you, but you can't be saved if you doubt the Word of God. It is impossible. I know what everybody's saying, that everybody's going to be saved no matter what, but that's because they're not studying the Bible. 100%. Anyone who believes that is not studying the Bible. There is a group of religious Christian people in our society that they are very literal when it comes to the Scriptures. And you can find YouTube videos where they will literally trash the megachurches for not preaching the book. And there's a feud going on between the fundamentalists 
who believe that the Word of God is absolutely true and the New Age doctrine that says it don't matter what we do. It's interesting to see the battle between people who used to believe it one way and the new emergent church who says, no, it doesn't mean that at all. It's all just a fairy tale. It's just a good idea. There is a massive battle happening right now in the spirit world among Christians where people are starting to to realize that they don't really believe the word. I dare say tonight in this place there are people that I have not been able to help you through the ministry of the spirit for five and a half years and it's because you doubt the word of God. And I'm not taking responsibility for that. If you're not studying the word of God, it is not anybody's fault. It is not my fault. It's no one's fault. If you don't have a desire, look, I'm only talking to Christians right now. If you're not really in the church, I'm not talking to you. I don't want to offend you. But those of you who know better, you've claimed God. You've got His Spirit inside of you. Let's close our eyes. Let's just ask God to help us to fall back in love with His Word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. It's the foundation for which we're built. The Word of God is the foundation for every relationship, God. God, we claim to have your Spirit. We claim to love to praise you. But God, if we're not seeking your Word, if we're not desiring your Word, it's the greatest way to build trust in you, in people, in the church again. God, help us revitalize a personal diet of your Word, God, to trust in you, to trust in your Word, God. Everybody say in Jesus' name. The Word of God are the directions to get to heaven. If you don't believe the Word of God, you're not going to go there, I promise you. My words are not enough. My preaching's not enough. I am nothing. I am a confirmation to what you've been studying. I cannot be the Word for you. I am just a man. But the Word is already there for you. You've got access to it. If anything, I am a confirmation. I'm a seasonal, timely Word. But I cannot be God for you. I can't be your personal devotion. I can't be your daily bread. He said when you pray, He said, say, Father, give us this day our daily bread. We, we measure someone's legitimacy primarily Based on the Word of God. That's the way it should be in the church. Can you trust them? Are they biblical? Can you trust them? Are they biblical? Well, I don't want to take time to study. I'm just going to go ahead and judge them. I don't like them. They made me upset. That's not how you judge. That's not righteous judgment. You've got to know the Word of God, to know the heart of God, to know if someone's right or wrong in the church. The reason why we had a lot of judgment is because we haven't studied We haven't studied the Word of God. We throw scriptures at each other like darts. Not just by how we feel, because sometimes that's how we we guess someone is spiritual. Not just by how we feel after we engage with someone who calls himself a Christian. If we're not living righteously, we will be easily offended by the Word of God, a.k.a. the truth. When I'm corrected, when I'm rebuked, I know if it's biblical or not. I'm not mad at the person because I know that they're in the book. The Bible says that those in authority over me have the right to rebuke me. I'm not mad at them. If you're mad, you're mad at God. You doubt the Scripture. And it's the truth, y'all. I don't get offended by stuff like that. You know why? Because it's biblical. If I'm going to get mad at that, I'm getting mad at God. It's quiet right now because the Holy Ghost is talking to people all over this room right now. The Lord sent me here to un- unpack revelation about this topic because it is so desperately needed. When you're offended, first thing you should do is this. Everyone, me too, me included. It is what's happening right now biblical? Good, Sister Lorena, thank you. What's happening right now, is it biblical? That's the first thing you should say. I'm being treated a certain way. Is it biblical? My boss does not have the Holy Ghost and he treats me bad. Is it biblical? My boss doesn't have the Holy Ghost and he treats me bad. Is it biblical? 
Probably. Probably. Here's why. He don't have the Holy Ghost. What are you expecting from them? I just, God, I can't believe it. God, I can't believe people that don't have the Holy Ghost are mean to me. God's like, read your Bible. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. It's biblical. Just wave at them when they, when they honk at you or flip you off. Just, hey. Another day. Another prophetic day in the world. First thing you ask is, was what the pastor did biblical? If you don't know, don't get mad. Was the saint across the church biblical? Don't know because you don't study. Here's what we do. We just quit. We quit people, we quit churches, and we go down the road, and we're sitting in another church when we miss all of our friends, and then all of a sudden the preacher gets up and preaches about the thing we did wrong, and we go, "Uh uh-oh. I changed my whole life because I didn't study. I'm so glad God gives grace to people who mess up here and go there. That's good. God gives grace at the next church, the next church, the next church, because God loves us. But you don't have to live that way. You can start studying right now and quit having to make your decisions based on lack of information. I hope this is is helping us tonight. I really do. Logical, worldly people resist the Bible as the standard of truth because it takes more faith to trust in that than to trust the logic in your brain. Trust not in your own understanding. Look, we are our worst enemy, y'all. How do I know that? Because number one, I know me. I've got the spirit. Number two, the Bible said don't trust your own understanding. That means when I have an idea that's logical that doesn't include God or his ways or prayer or fasting or the word of God, then i got to look in the mirror and say stop and shut up. Do not trust my emotion. Do not trust my flesh. I will not trust my logic, my college education, what my grandma taught me. I will not trust it. I will only stand on the word of God. The flesh does not like the Spirit of God. Galatians 5 and 16, Paul said to the Galatian church, he said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not, you do, you do, not do the things that you wish to do. They're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. Spiritual things are fighting fleshly things. And if you hadn't fasted in a long time, you will be easily offended by this message. You'll be really offended by the one Sunday that's coming. I'm not threatening you. I'm telling you, please fast before you come to church Sunday. Because what God has given to me for Sunday is going to shake us to our core. And I don't want to offend anybody. I'm tired of offending carnal people. I'm tired of hurting people who don't really love God and they play the part. Just hear my heart tonight. I'm tired of having to feel bad because people never pray. They never fast. They never devote to God. We are not their problem. God is their problem. This year has been the year of trust issues. I feel it so strong in my spirit. At the end of the year, I'm asking God, what happened this year? What do you want me to learn from this year, God? What do you want to teach me from this year? And God said it's been the year of trust issues. You've got to bring trust back in the kingdom. Because people don't trust. They don't trust me. They don't trust you. They don't trust the brothers and sisters on the pews. And the Lord said, the only way to fix this is to get them back in the Word. Get them believing in the Word. Get them praying and fasting. I felt tonight in worship, Lori, I felt tonight in worship, our church has got to become a fasting church. I felt even deeper than that. I would even prophesy that until American church 
begins to fast again, we will not see the end time harvest in our churches that we've been proclaiming. You cannot have the first church revival without the first church dynamics. We've got to be as sacrificial as the first church to have a great outpouring in the last days. And we as Americans have to learn to fast Any church in the world needs to fast. It's the Western church. Please say amen to that. I'm telling you, God is, is shifting me. I've never really liked fasting. I never pushed it a whole lot. But God is shifting me more to where I'm seeing the benefits of fasting more. I'm seeing the necessity of fasting more. I thank God there's people fasting right now this week that were unprovoked. There are people fasting seven days. And our leadership team just recently over the last couple weeks, God is speaking to people in our church. That's how you know you're in the spirit realm because you start to do things everybody else is doing that is working with God closely. God is going to make our church a fasting church. And if you're struggling right now, I'm telling you, go on a fast. If you're offended, go on a fast. If you're angry, go on a fast. Hey, hey, wives, if your husband will not listen to you, fast until something breaks in him. My wife has. It works. Husbands, if she's not listening to you, fast, shut your mouth, and fast until something breaks. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we are so rich and so full of so much of this world. You know the reason why fasting one day even is so hard? One day. You know why it's so hard? Because we are the culture of food. One day. One day kills me. One day I question everything. One day I'm cranky. One day. One day. I want everything one day. I want every meal there is. We messed up today, had a meeting about making breakfast sandwiches. About killed me. Y'all, the best time to plan a celebration is on a fast. It's going to be big. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) From now on, I'm fasting before every big celebration we have. I'm going to plan it big. Thank you, Jesus. If it brings us toward being holy and more like God, then the human spirit and the evil spirits will be troubled every time. Everybody say every time. If you feel trouble in your flesh, if you feel trouble, ask yourself, is God trying to speak to you? Because every time God has spoken to me about things I don't like, things I don't want to do, it's made me feel very agitated. But you know what feels agitated? My flesh. It is so easy to hear a word from God that you don't like when you're on a fast. Which is why we need to fast. Because there's some things God can't tell us. Jesus, help me, Lord. There's some things God can't tell us unless we're on a fast. You hear that right now in the Holy Ghost Church family. There are some things God won't even give to you because you're not ready for it. Because it might push you out. Pastor, hurry up and go tackle them and make them saved. That can make it worse, y'all. If somebody's not ready for the thing I feel to say to them, it can push them out. So you know what we need to do? We need to fast. Get ready for that word. So this is why, in my closing, we must study the Word of God like never before. Before you get offended, study the Word. Because it's going to happen to you tomorrow, the next day, next week, when I preach Sunday. It's going to happen. So study now how to handle it. Study now what's right and wrong. So that you can judge more purely. 2 Timothy 2 and 14, the Bible says, Remind them of these things. Charge them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit. That's the bad way to have trust. To ruin the, to, to the ruin of the hearers. How do you ruin a hearer? To me, you lose trust in them. You lose trust in the speaker. That's how you ruin the hearer. 
Be diligent, he said to Timothy, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. But shun profane and idle babbling out of your mouth. Babblings, babblings, babblings. For they will increase to more ungodliness. Do you know why the kingdom of God is getting less godly with all of our talking? Because it's not really rooted in the study of the word of God anymore. We talk a whole lot and we all preach and everybody says what they believe about God. But you know what's actually happening? It's actually hurting things. Because we are not rooted in study. We're vain babblers. We're out of context preachers. You know what's happening in the kingdom right now? What's happening is everybody thinks they know. But nobody studies it. And their message, verse 17, will spread like cancer. God, you got to help us. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. If you don't believe that the original church called out people who were in false doctrine, here's your example. That would embarrass someone if you did that today. That's the point, to get that out. It's like a cancer. Sometimes it's good for people to leave because you need to get that vain babbling out of the church, so that godliness can come back, so that God's revival can move, so the spirit can be more free. So these two people, Hymenaeus and Philetus, are of this sort, just call them out, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some, their vain unbiblical babblings have hurt people, and it's messing up people's faith. So I'm going to call them out. There's nothing to fear in church if you're living right. The only reason you ever have to fear going to a church where that would happen is if you are literally preaching a different doctrine at AFC. And I've got a biblical mandate. I've got instructions to never allow that to happen as the pastor of this church. Thankfully, I haven't had to because people normally leave on their own. I remember one time we were preaching and we had someone tell me in the bathroom there was a man who said that's not, not right doctrine that this pastor believes. One of our members was telling another member. They didn't stay long. I didn't, I didn't do anything. They didn't stay long. Normally, they don't. But in the Bible, this man, these men are of this sort, and they are hurting people's faith because they don't study the Word of God. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. doesn't matter how many scriptures you think you know. If you're not really lining up to scripture, if you're working iniquity, you can talk all you want. It's just vain babbling. We really know who you are. God knows who you are. Pastor, I've never met anybody. I've never met anyone who says they are a Christian who was perfect and did everything the Bible says perfectly, so how can I trust anybody? That's a great question. The Bible says that we are all flawed and that we are being perfected. There's not a church, not a pastor, not a saint that is perfect. But there is a church, there is a pastor, there are saints that are being perfected. See that word? Being. Becoming. Not what I was yesterday. Not what I was last year. How do you know that you can trust and how do you know who the real church is? Not because we're perfect, but because we're becoming perfected. I'm not who I used to be. I don't talk the way I used to be. I pray more now than I used to. I fast more now than I used to. I'm not perfect, but you can trust me that I'm going to keep going forward. Because there are other churches that are going backwards. Right now, they look cool. Which way are they going? 
when you decide the health of a church, here's how I personally judge the health of our church. Where are we going? Not where I am. I'm not happy with where I am. You are right to say that we are not where we need to be at Austin First Church. Can you admit that? And we're never going to be. Because as soon as we get there, that's not good enough. As soon as we get there, that's not good enough. You can decide to judge us because we never get there, or you can celebrate the fact that we keep trying. Because every church is either going one way or the other. Every church is heading towards wholeness, righteousness, doctrine, truth. Every church is either going that way or the other way, and you've got to have a confidence in what church you're going to. I have no offense when someone says there's problems at AFC. That doesn't bother me one bit. We're flawed people. But I am offended at the fact that you don't see where we're going. You don't hear me preaching. You're not listening to words I say. You're not seeing the kind of things I'm doing. You're not seeing the results and ministers and people in this church. If you can't see the growth, if you can't see Oasis and Gaston Place, and you can't see Lakeside, if you can't see Hope Silo, the only, as far as I know, the only apostolic church school in the entire region. Oh, but we're struggling over here, aren't we? The devil is a liar. I know where we're going. I can see it clearly. I'm going to tell you about it later. I'm going to probably tell you Sunday. I'm going to give a report. I see the changes. I see the growth. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we're not perfect. Yes, we're flawed. But we repent and we confess and we get up and we go again. Almost, almost done. We are running a race, y'all. Not a sprint. The church that's right will be better in 10 years. You've got to have a little bit of prophetic to know what church to go to. Because there's been a lot of good churches we went to that went the other way. And people missed it. You've got to have a spirit about you that says, I see where we're going. And that's where I want to put my kids because in 10 years. There are ways to trust an imperfect Christian, number one. They study and believe the Bible, and they use it for a guide. And this proves they at least have the chance to get right. I'm going to tell you right now, don't trust anybody who will study the Bible. About the Bible. Trust them about maybe who makes a good chicken sandwich, but don't trust them about spirit stuff. Number one, how do we measure if we're going the right way? Because we study and stand on the word of God, and we claim it to be truth, and we will not veer from it. That's number one. Even in our imperfections, it's still right, we're still wrong. We engraft ourselves to it. It does not engraft itself to us. This is how you know you're a part of the people you can trust, because we trust the word of God, not us. Not our culture, not our organization of ministers, we trust the word of God. It is supreme priority. And that means, listen, that means that if we ever go astray, we have a book to bring us back in line. That's how you have trust again in the church. But if your church doesn't believe the Word of God, you can't trust it. Because that pastor can get up and just say whatever he wants. That church can teach whatever it wants. How can you trust a church that has no direction, that has no guide? Number two, when they are confessional about their flaws. Number one, they stand on the Word of God and study it. Number two, they're confessional. One of the worst things that ever happened to the Pentecostal church is that we weren't confessional. One of the worst things that ever plagued pastors is when pastors did not confess when they were making mistakes. If we would confess on the small levels, we would never have to resign our churches over the big. Y'all hear that? And neither will you. Neither will you. You don't have to lose your position if you'll confess on the small. Jesus said, it's, it's, it's just as bad if you have lust in your heart. If you can fix it with the heart, it will never manifest in the bed. But we don't talk about what's in our hearts because we think what's in our hearts is who we are. No, it's not. 
not until it produces fruit. You've got time to dig that thing out and be free of that thing, but you've got to be confessional. And if you want to trust the church, find you a church that confesses. Our church is a very pro-confessional church. We have people come to us and confess they're struggling. We get it fixed. We pray. We fast. And guess what? God promotes them. We're a confessional church. I try to be open and confessional. Number three. When they're overcoming their flaws over time, gradually, this proves that they're not just confessional, just talking about how they're wrong, but this proves they're serious, that I'm not who I was yesterday, and I'm changing every day. Number three, study the word, that's this church in Jesus' name. Confessional, that's this church in Jesus' name. Get back up and keep going, that's this church in Jesus' name. Those are people you can trust, even though they're still flawed. That's all you get. That's the best you can get. Because you can't find a perfect church. That's the only kind of church you can find. That kind of church. And we have to be that kind of people. I'm going to pastor with these three principles. And in time, if you join me, in Jesus' name, we, I believe, will build trust again with Christians. Trust again with the church. Trust again with ministers, and there's a lot of you that God's turning into ministers, and people aren't going to trust you if you don't listen to this. We have got to regain trust again in the kingdom. We have to. And it's all going to come by living and studying the Word of God. I'll summarize it like this. You really can't trust anything if it's not rooted in the Word of God. But if you know the Word of God... Some of you are like, what about the Spirit? You wouldn't even know about the Spirit if it wasn't for the Word of God. You wouldn't even know you received it if it didn't say they talked in tongues. I'm a Spirit kind of person. Yeah, I am too. The Word taught me how to get it. It teaches me how to use it. Yeah, let's all stand, Brother Ray. Thank you, Brother Ray. Go ahead. Leadness and standing. Thank you for leadness and standing. Brother Ray's like, okay, let's get out of here. We're done. No, what that was, Brother Ray said, I'm with you. I agree, Pastor. There's no, seat, no reason to say anything else. We're going to go do it in Jesus' name. That's what I feel. And that's the way it should be. Wednesday nights are so different. We don't, we don't bawl and squall at the altar every Wednesday night. Sometimes we do. We have time tonight. We don't. But you know what? Tonight I really felt like you were listening. I felt like you were taking it and you were receiving it. And I really feel like tomorrow when some of y'all wake up, you're going to get that word out. You're going to break it open. And you're going to say, I'm tired of not trusting. I'm tired of not trusting you, God. I'm tired of not trusting my husband, my wife. I'm tired of not trusting my kids, my family, my boss, my pastor, the leaders at church. I'm tired of it. I need to trust something again. You can trust the Bible. Y'all, the whole world's full of churches because of the Bible. Everything we are is because of the Bible. Let's don't give it up now at the end. Let's dust it off. Let's study it again. Let's fall in love with it again. It's, it's how it, we got here. And it's how we're going to finish this thing. Let's lift our hands and just seal this word tonight. In the name of Jesus, thank you, God. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you, God, for letting me be a vessel can help people, encourage them to go after you, to go after your word. God, help us to use the word on each other. Help us to examine ourselves by your word. Help us to look inside the mirror of your word, God. Help us to talk about the word over dinner and, and after game nights with each other, God. Help us to use the word, devotion, not my spin, but just let the word talk, God. It'll fix every relationship, every problem. Everything, is, everything I need as a pastor is in the word, God. Help me be more like this, God. Help me to measure myself off your word, Jesus. Help me, God, Lord, to fast more, to get rid of this world more, God. I just want to make sure I can trust again, God. I'm tired of not trusting, God. I'm tired of being confused, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
I really feel like someone tonight needed to hear about that because I felt like there's, I feel it now. I feel so many souls crying out for, yes, I'm lonely. I'm tired of not trusting. I can feel that in this room right now. I feel that in the Holy Ghost right now. You're tired of not knowing who to trust. Lean on Him. Lean on Him. Lean on Jesus. Lean on His Word. Trust not your own understanding. Trust the Lord. Lean on Him. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on Jesus. Come on, we gotta, we got to trust Him. You don't have to trust anybody else. But if you will trust Him, you'll start to trust others again. You'll start to see clearly again. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your hands one more time. I'll let you go. Just, I just want the Lord to let, just permeate, to move right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. We will commit. You ought to make your mind up right now what you're going to do. Come on. The Lord gives us this opportunity to make our mind up. We, we don't just get moved to emotion and tears and not make our mind up. You ought to make your mind up. That's right, Pastor. I do not study, and I should, and that's not right. And thank you, God, for sending the messenger tonight, God. I am not really yours until I love that word, and I become like that word, and I measure by that word. Not by culture, not by ideas of the world, not by YouTube, but by your word, God. It is the gold standard for truth and trust. Trust is coming back. Trust is coming back. Everybody say in Jesus' name. So please fast if you can, if you, if you feel like you need to. I would encourage you just fast Saturday and fast through till, till service Sunday. And I hope you'll all come. And I'll do my best in, in love to give you what God has given and I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the title right now. It's the Careless Carol. Anybody heard of the Christmas Carol story? You know, when, when the, the ghosts come visit the past, they take Ebenezer Scrooge. He's a Scrooge during Christmas, and they take him to, to see past, present, future. I saw that in Scripture. In fact, you can go look it up and start reading it right now. Ezekiel 8 and 9. I saw God do that in Scripture. He plucked up Ezekiel and showed him things in the tabernacle and the sins, and he showed him things that were happening. And we're going to take a journey Sunday. And I, I think the Spirit's going to show us, going to take us on a journey. Because there's a spirit of being careless in the last days. So go read it, go study it, and then we'll deal with it in Jesus' name Sunday. And I believe God's going to give us freedom and liberty, and God's going to bless our church because we're going to receive the word of the Lord. Shake hands, be friendly, be, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. We'll see you guys Friday night. We'll see you this weekend. It's going to be a great time together in the Holy Ghost.